Really good to be with you this morning and uh, enjoy this time to get together. You know, I just came from Lincoln Center and we had great group out there and just being encouraged by them. They sing hymns out there, so they sing a lot of great hymns. And so if you want to go to a good hymn sing, we got at a great place and go there and be encouraged spiritually in your walk. And as Jennifer just said, we gather together because the Bible tells us not to forsake the gathering together to encourage one another. And the more we gather together, the more we can get encouraged spiritually. And that's really why we have a Sunday morning. I was at a couple of football games this weekend, and you know, before every play, the football team huddles up. And I know that sometimes there's there's some direction given in there, there's some sometimes some corrections said in the huddle, and especially during a timeout and some things are said. And, and there's also encouragement given in the huddle. And so we gather together really for a similar reason. Uh, we, we ask believers to come and people who are just seeking the Lord to come to these huddles, which Sunday morning worship services are. And we have them on Sunday morning because our real leader, our real coach, our real one we're following, we believe was resurrected on a Sunday morning. And so on the Sunday morning we were given new life, and so we gather together to encourage each other in walking this new life. This side of heaven, the just shall live by faith. We live this new life by faith. And so I love what Jennifer was saying about getting together to huddle up to encourage each other in the new life, the spiritual life that we're called upon to walk in in the scriptures. And so that's what we're doing. And as Mike said, I don't know if any of you had noticed, maybe, maybe it was news to you when Mike said that it's a voting season. Anybody, anybody not know it was a election year? <laughs> Uh, if you don't, you're pretty unplugged. With all the uh, fanfare going on and what's happening, radio, television, on the internet, there's so much information. We just thought it appropriate, we've done this once before, to, to uh, really remind ourselves, coach ourselves through this season in how we ought to do it. And this message is mostly for believers in Christ. And I want to remind us of two spiritual realities that I hope we keep in mind as we walk through this election year. And so I want to say a prayer before we leave Let's pray this. Father, we're gathered here, really in your name, the name of Jesus. And the, your word says that the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And we're here to encourage each other in our faith walks with you. And we have carefully decided to encourage each other, coach each other, remind each other of who we are in you through this voting season and what that means in some way. And for sure we won't cover it all. So by your spirit, would you continue to teach us as we walk through this next month, month and a half? And help us walk as we teach us. We pray it in Christ's name. Two realities I want to remind you of. And the first one is the reality of our dual citizenship. Actually, most of us probably have more than two citizenships. We probably have, you know, we're citizens of whatever community we're in, citizens of Iowa, we're citizens of the United States. And as citizens of the United States, we're a part of a nation. And in the state here of Iowa, we're citizens where we get to vote. 
based on our geographical boundary for who might be our leader. We get a vote who will be a leader in our country, who will be leaders at all different levels of our government structure. <coughs> and so that, that voting simply comes to us because we're citizens. And there's a lot of discussion around who can be a citizen and who can, but America has been a very welcoming place for over two centuries because we believe that we, you know, America has been this melting pot and we have had all kinds of opportunities for people all around the globe with different nationalities to become a part of our country, to become involved in what we call democracy, so that we can have a, what people have described as this experiment of living under self-leadership, where we get to, any of us could run for an office or we could vote for who we want to be in office, and it's a, it's a beautiful country to be a part of. I, for one, am very thankful to be a citizen of the United States of America. I just thank the Lord for it, for the freedom I've known to learn about Him, to be taught about Him without fear, the freedom I've known in, in the marketplace to run some business and do some things like that, the freedom I've known just to, to drive through the country down here and, and see no tanks or and, and just enjoy the freedom of this country and the beautiful countryside and the geography in which we live in. And, and I want to get to the Hawaii. I haven't been to Hawaii yet. It's a part of the United States. And I would hope I could get there someday. And maybe have an adoring wife with me and just enjoy that. What a country we live in. And it's ruled by humans that we elect. It's, it's something to be grateful for. Remember in elementary school when we would say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? Or even just this weekend when I stood before a couple football games and put my hand on my heart and we all sang. What about the history of our country and the wars fought for it and the freedom? Most of us, I would guess, in the church family are citizens of the United States. Now, not everything about the United States is perfect, but it's a country that we're a part of. And at the same time, we're citizens of another kingdom or nation. And I'm even more thankful to be a citizen in this kingdom. Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi and he said, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. Sometimes, mostly what we hear about in the course of a week is what's going on in this nation, in this kingdom, with the rulers of the kingdom of man. And when we get together on Sunday morning, and especially believers and those that are looking in on the Christian faith, when a person becomes a believer, they become a member of the eternal kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of our God. We just sang about it. The high king of heaven, ruler over all. Now this is a kingdom that has no geographical boundary. It's an authority of a perfect and pure king that permeates every part of the created and the parts of the universe we don't know about. It's a supreme authority. 
of a perfect and pure and righteous and compassionate and loving and kind ruler. And it's a kingdom that you can join or you can decide not to join. It's not a, it's a kingdom of authority, but it's not a dictatorial kingdom. It's a kingdom that you can willingly place yourself into. This kingdom is a far more important kingdom than any other kingdom that exists. The kingdom is revealed to us in the scriptures, and the kingdom is opened to us, we read in the scriptures, by the king himself, who came and made atonement for us, so that we could become a part of this kingdom. This kingdom is a kingdom that requires, if we're going to come into it, our full it has a deeper judgment to it. It's a kingdom we read through the pages of Scripture that God desires to permeate our whole lives if we're going to be a part of it. It's a kingdom that supersedes our membership as citizens of the kingdom, even of the United States. We read in the pages of Scripture many examples of this. In the Old Testament, there's a there's a story of a man named Daniel who was really in leadership in his country in a number of ways. And the king came down with an edict that no one should pray to anyone besides him. And some of the king's advisors saw Daniel bowing down to the king of heaven three times a day. But Daniel didn't care because his allegiance was given to a higher king. The king was then forced to put Daniel's punishment into a lion's den. But the higher king affirmed Daniel's allegiance to him by shutting the mouth of lions. The same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the king that the kingdom that they were a part of, and the ruler of the land there, said you shouldn't bow down to anyone except for him, and they refused to bow down to him, and so he threw them in the fiery furnace, and we read in the pages of the scripture, then when those three went into the fiery furnace, there was four there. Because the kingdom of heaven, the one who rules the higher kingdom, the, the king of all kings, was affirming their allegiance to him. Jesus, the king of kings, when he came and submitted himself under the kingdoms of this world, was standing there before one of the kings, and one of the kings said, Don't you know I have the power to have you killed? And Jesus said, You have no power except the power given you by the one true king. When we gather together, it's important for us to remember that we are members of a far more important kingdom than the kingdoms of man. It's a kingdom that's eternal. It's a kingdom not that just measures what happens externally with the laws of the land. The laws of our land measure speed limit and how fast you drive. They measure whether you committed a crime or not. But the kingdom of heaven has a deeper measurement. It measures what's going on in the heart of each man, in the heart of each woman. See, even the judgment of the kingdom of heaven is more severe, it's more poignant. 
Jesus, the, the one who we just sang about, who sitteth at the right hand of God, who is on the throne, said, You have heard it said, do not murder. That's an act you would commit. But I tell you, Jesus said, if you're angry with someone and you have that experience in your heart of wanting to do something to them, you're a murderer. He said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you even so look lustfully at someone else, you've already committed adultery with them in your heart. We have a dual citizenship. We're citizens in the United States, but we're also citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And the standards in the kingdom of heaven far supersede, surpass the standards of the United States. And this is why anyone who's ever looked into these things understands nobody qualifies to be in the kingdom of heaven. It is simply an undeserved gift of grace from the compassionate, loving thing. And if you and I are in that kingdom, then we should be thankful. We should give him praise. What the kingdom of heaven does is say, look, your heart is wrong. So I will give you a new heart, a new life. I myself will take your judgment upon me so that you can be set free and be a part of the kingdom It's an undeserved gift. It's a greater privilege than being a citizen of the United States. It's the first. And when this body dies, you and I will cease to be members of the U.S., but our body will then either step into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of heaven. Now I map all this out because I simply want to get to how we walk through this voting piece. Because it seems like there are some arenas of life where it just seems like we have a license to set aside the requirements of the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if any of you have been to a big sporting event like this. But it seems like at sporting events, there's this license. And I've done it. When my son was a little elementary school player in basketball, I would go to these games and I would be a part of the excitement that was going on around there. And I just saw, listen, you don't have to behave reasonably at these things. Nobody else does. And I remember one game when I was so over the top in that and I came home and the King of Heaven convicted me in my spirit. And I had a period of repentance for my behavior at a basketball game that was unpleasing I was at a 
big college football game yesterday. It just seems like the whole idea of living in a way that's honoring to the King of Heaven isn't quite so important. I wonder if we sometimes feel the same way around elections. How important is our behavior and what we say and what we think for God during the election process? How important is Honest. How important is not slandering? For those that call themselves citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Last night, my son was texting me, we gave him the time to be home. He said, uh, Dad, I'm just wondering, could I stay out a little longer? Anybody who's parent ever gotten a text like that before? I texted back to my son. I'm not going to be hyper about your schedule. But I, as your dad, want to give you just my wisdom on what's happening with you in the next week with the big picture in mind. And I gave him a little later time to be home. I said, but you, you make the go. And then he texted back and said, I get you, Dad. And then I texted back to him and said, I want to remind you, you're a man of faith. And that means you live differently than most. As we're gathered here this morning, I want to just remind you, we're walking through the foot of the feet. If you're a person of faith, you are to live differently. And when the world's planning, and when the world gets false and when the world lies, we should Because we're members of a more important Now, as members of that team, we're a part of the United States. And that's an awesome privilege at the end. And as members of the United States, we've been given an awesome right, or what the Bible would call a trust. And so the second reality I want to remind you of is the reality of the responsibility of a trust given. My son on October 15th will turn 18 years old, and in the grace of God and the goodness of God, 
he will get to voice his opinion about the rulership in our country. And that's a gift that God has given him in the United States. Many people in the history of the world haven't had the gift of self-leadership, self-rulership in a country. This is a trust we've been given. And as citizens of the United States and as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said if you're given a trust, if you're trusted with the little, you must prove faithful. Anyone that's given a trust must prove faithful. And so at the very least, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven and citizens of the United States, citizens of Iowa, we ought to use that trust, be faithful in that trust, and vote. I want to share with you a vision this morning. A vision we have for everyone at Orchard. And that is this. As we come to this election time, and maybe some of you have voted already. You can vote, you know, absentee by ballot or mail-in or you go to the polls. It's our hope that everyone in our church family will walk down to the voting polls or fill out their ballot. And they will cast their opinion for who should be the ruler in our land. At the very least, citizenship 101. Now, under God's reign, some of us have run for office in our church family. We can do some lobbying. We can fight for certain aspects of righteousness. But we ought to all, at least, 18 or above, do the voting. And I want to give this vision, that we head to the poll with our hearts right. Because God is judging what's going on in here. And so the vision we have is that everyone in our church family would vote this year And they would vote with some things in their heart. First of all, that they would vote with gratitude in their heart. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for us in Christ. No matter who gets elected, no matter what we're hearing, we ought to steward our hearts right before the Lord. And if we could all head to the voting poll, thankful for the awesome privilege of influencing who leads our country, that I think would be honoring to God, the great King of Heaven. Stewarding this gift he's given us in a way we're thankful to him. So my first encouragement this morning, vision casting, is that when you're filling out that ballot, you're whispering to God, thank you God for this opportunity in this land. Secondly, I would hope we would all vote prayerfully. It's hard to know who to vote for, how to vote. James said, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. We should vote in line with what we understand to be righteousness. The Bible says it's good when the righteous rule. There are many aspects to righteousness. Different candidates uphold different aspects of righteousness. We're not, a, we're not going to elect a perfect leader in any category. And so we have to be discerning. And we should be discerning based on what we see, how God says government should operate. And we should be discerning and vote along the lines of righteousness. Because righteousness upholds the land. Righteousness helps the land survive. We read that in Scripture. So we ought to put some work into prayerfully considering how we're going to vote and for what reason. I personally believe that who we vote for, for the most part, falls under the theological category of a disputable matter. And disputable matters are described in Romans chapter 13 and 14. That means it's discussable, it's debatable, it should be talked about, it should be hammered around. And I want to put this, I want to put who you vote for in Romans chapter 13 and 14. Just read a few passages for you. 
And so you know the tone of voting that I think would be described at this current time in our history. Let us behave decently, it says, as in daytime, not in dissension and jealousy. We're to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and accept those whose faith is on a different level than ours, without passing judgment on a disputable matter. Who one votes for? One man's faith allows him or her to vote for one candidate, and another man's faith allows him or her to vote for someone else. Who are we to pass judgment? Listen to this. To his own master. In the heaven. To his own master, a person stands or falls. Each one should be fully convinced in their own mind what's right for them. We will all stand before God's judgment seat, and each of us individually will give an account of themselves to God. Therefore, let's not pass judgment for one another based on whom we vote for. Prayerfully. Being convinced in your own mind. Thank you. Go for And then the third part of our heart. Joyfully and peacefully. Joyfully in the sense, a couple of years ago, I know in the, you know, in the athletic arena, you can lose your joy. And in the political arena, you can lose your joy. Because it seems like there's so much coming to bear. And there's so much influence and input there. And so a few years ago, I said, Lord, no matter who gets elected, I don't want it to feel joy for my people. Because those things come to me, not because I'm a citizen of the United States, those things are available to me because I'm a member of the eternal kingdom of heaven. And who wins the election is not going to matter in that kingdom. And so we can cast our vote. And we can say, thank you, God, with joy and with a peace that passes all understanding. No matter what happens, there is a spiritual life that cannot be taken away from. And that pushes me to a final point. And that is the question of hope. And where our hope is. Our citizenship, Paul wrote, is in heaven. And then he says, we eagerly await a Savior from there. If there's anything to keep in mind to your collection is that there is no Savior walking around in flesh and blood like that. We're awaiting his return. And the prophet in the Old Testament said that our hope will never be in an elected official. It'll never be in the kingdoms of man. He said, our hope. So, God said this to the Bible. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray 
and seek my faith. And what he got? I will heal their land. Can I encourage you this morning? If you're concerned about the United States of America, prayerfully, thankfully, engage in the political process. Lobby. Do your part, whatever God calls you to do. But don't put your hope there. Do what the prophet said in the Old Testament. Humble yourself and pray. Maybe the real hope of the land, maybe the real leadership of the land is gathered together in churches all around the country this morning. And it's the believers in Christ in the United States. And God is waiting to heal the broken parts of our land until we humble ourselves and we seek His face and we pray. Maybe the election really isn't such a big deal. Maybe our prayer is the big deal. Because our hope is ultimately in the work of God, in the hearts of men and women. Not in regulating behavior. That will never save us. Only the Savior it saves individuals, it changes community, it changes country. And so we ought to pray for our leaders, and we ought to engage in the political process, and we ought to do our part. But we should never just stop knocking on the door of heaven, saying, God, please, do something. You heal us. Well, I hope you'll do that this season. Go to the poll. Thankfully, prayerfully, joyfully, peacefully, with an awareness of our membership, your membership, if you are, in the eternal kingdom of heaven. And if you're not a part of that kingdom, I mean, the king has given his life so that you could be ushered into his kingdom. And none of your sins, your violations of his law have counted against you. And you can open up your heart to him and step into his eternal Let's pray today. Father, we take this time to focus on, you know, our responsibilities before you in our nation at this time. And we have responsibilities because of all that you've given us and we want to steward those responsibilities well. But more importantly, Lord, we want to steward our hearts well. We want to walk before you with our hearts in peace, in joy, understanding where our hope is, and then being used of you to do our part, whatever you lead us to, as you're working to heal, not just our land, but our relationship, our lives. For those that don't know you this morning, we're going to talk about this book. The more important thing going on around the world is the work of your kingdom and the expansion of your kingdom into the hearts of men. And I pray, we thank you for the freedom to share about your kingdom. I pray that those that don't know you and I just here this morning in this room, that they could open up their hearts to you. And that you would show them who you are, and they could willingly say, Yeah, I want to be a part. 
I want to surrender my life to the rulership of your story. And then, Lord, help us all live out what that means in many arenas of our lives. Give us wisdom. We pray for